Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another epic episode of Make the Jump here from the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. The new look BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. We love all the support, everybody. Thank you so much. But guess what? Tonight, we got one of the killers in the house. That's right. I'm talking about Mr. Billy Floyd himself. Billy, how's it going this evening? And thank you so much for coming on to Make the Jump. Oh, Robin, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Before we even get started, I got to let you know that your logo is amazing, bro. Like just <laughs> looking at the design of it, it's super smooth. It's super clean. Uh, and I could see this branded everywhere. So just had to get that out of the way because one of the first things that people see when they join something like this is the visual representation of the product. And uh, the visual representation of the icon, the logo, everything is just super clean and super professional. So uh, with, with that said, dude, thank you so much for having me on. I've heard amazing things about this. Everybody I spoke to speak very, very highly about you and your podcast and everything that you're building here. I really appreciate that. You know, it, it's one of those things visually, you know, Billy, when it comes to the arts and everything, you know, as not only as a cosplayer, the visual aspect of this community and getting to interact with people, but also music for you is a big thing as well. Billy, how did you get started in the music industry? What was it that drove your passion in that? Man, it was really, uh, it was kind of an accident. I was a camp counselor at a summer camp one summer and I got caught in the girl's cabin with a girl that I was, that I was dating uh, at the time. So subsequently I got fired and I couldn't go back the next summer. So I was attending St. Leo University and I spent that next summer on campus taking extra classes, lifeguarding, working in IT. And one of the guys I was working in IT with, Neil Kennedy, was a musician. We went to his house to pick up some computer stuff and I walked past this room and it's just packed with musical instruments. And I had never seen a guitar up close. I'd never seen drums. I'd never seen anything like that. And it was mesmerizing to me. I just stopped and stared into the room. You know, almost like when a kid walks into Toys R Us for the very first time in their life. You know, it was, it was mesmerizing. He asked me if I had ever played before. And I said, no, never had the opportunity to. You know, so he said, all right, well, you know, you want to you try something? Sure, sounds, sounds like fun. So he put a six-string electric in my hands. And that was okay, but it was a lot of strings. So he put a bass guitar in my hands, and it was a four-string Fender P-Bass, which was cherry. Uh, and that was really it. It's kind of started right there where I learned how to play Time of Your Life uh, by Green Day. And I just couldn't stop. I couldn't put it down. I'd put it down. It was the only thing I kept thinking about is I can't wait to get back to the guitar. I can't wait to pick it up. I can't wait to listen to some new music. I can't wait to learn the bass lines. And I just wanted to learn and learn and learn. So I just started listening to the radio and everything that was on the radio. I was just learning bass lines as much as I could which then led me to work with other musicians. And we had our first band called Toaster 12 mm -hmm. uh, because we thought it would be a really good idea to take a kitchen appliance and just put a number after it. Uh, so it was kind of based on the idea of Matchbox 20. So we were Toaster 12 and we, it was really kind of interesting. We tried to brand it as much as possible. And we just did, it was college, you know, it was no big deal. We mm -hmm. did little cover shows. I didn't know what I was doing. I played all by ear, uh, but I found out that I had, I, I just really fell in love with it. So I started growing and playing with different people and learning chord structures, learning progressions, uh, learning scales, and just playing every day, all day long. So it kind of evolved from that into uh, taking over my main passion, which was soccer for my whole life. Wow. Uh, when I started playing music, I started realizing, man, I've never, I've never spoken like this before. You know, it's definitely a form of communication that you're able to speak and inspire people with music. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be lyrical based. 
you know, so we started, I started in Toaster 12 playing bass. I wanted to write and sing, which I, I didn't know if I could sing. I didn't know if I could write. I had no idea, but I wanted to be able to do that. And it, I felt like it would be a little easier if I picked up a six string acoustic guitar. So I bought one for 60 bucks on eBay, which I still have. Uh, I recommend to all musicians always keep your first guitar. Uh, even if you don't play it, just keep it just because never forget your roots. So I bought my first six string acoustic guitar. Um, and shortly after that, um, I had gone through a bit of heartbreak uh, and that became an outlet, uh, a, a comfortable venture for me to kind of put uh, my emotions into. And it's really interesting to see now this is the third time this has happened where music technically kind of saved my life. You know, it, mm -hmm. it kept me from 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 a really sad, really depressing state in my mind because I had a way to express how I was feeling. And once you're able to get it off your chest and you can get it off your heart and you can put it on paper, you can kind of leave it there and you can let the paper bear the burden. You don't have to do it. So I realized that music can never break up with me. Music can never break my heart. It can never leave me. It can never lie to me. It can never hurt me ever. So I built a really close relationship with music and I've been able to use that as a, as a kind of like as a vehicle to meet just amazing people. Uh, I toured for uh, quite some time with a band called Migs out of Tampa, which had me on the road. And most everybody that gets involved in music, they, they, they all say the same thing. I can't wait to tour. I can't wait to be on a big bus. I can't wait right. to drive around all over the place. Nobody knows what they're really talking about unless you do it. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's made for the road. The road is a very, very tough place to live, uh, especially when you're first getting started. You know, because there's that time on the bus when your iPad's dead, your iPhone's dead, you've read all your books, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to listen to, and you're sitting on a couch watching the, the, the window show you the world, and it's dead silence. So you're really left up with you and your own thoughts and who you are as a person. There's no Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's no drama. So it can be really uh, dangerous to kind of get lost in your own mind. But if you can handle it and you can, you can harness it, it's phenomenal writing material. So I realized that it was such like, it, it was almost like therapy you mm -hmm. know, for me to write music. And then it, it introduced me to a brand new world of just amazing people and creativity. And it allowed me to kind of express and expand to new territories. Uh, so I just kind of grasped a hold of that and I just never have put it down. And I've been involved in, I couldn't even tell you how many bands I started playing in 1998. And so we're coming up on 20 years. Wow. So you've had your fair share of road experience. You've had your fair share of experience with music. And I think your message there, Billy, is, is so important is that when you were down and you felt that you couldn't get out of that place, music was there for you. It is like the power couple relationship in many ways. And I, I think that's so important for people to realize that, you know what, there is that, that one thing that you can go to no matter what place you're in and to just go into that place and feel safe and be part of who you truly are at that moment. Now, Billy, not only did you progress that way, but you even progressed into an area now musically where people can watch you on Facebook Live and you can also do some work with the Commodore himself. That's right. I'm talking about the Kitchen Killers, one of my favorite go-tos. Billy, give us the rundown on who the Kitchen Killers are. 
You got it, my man. Uh, the Kitchen Killers kind of spawned from us just wanting to be able to harness social media. So I've been in the rat race for a long time, a long time when it comes to bands, booking bands, booking venues, trying to tour, putting a band together with a trailer, $50,000 worth of equipment. You know, you're fighting with, with promoters, you're fighting with band owners, you're fighting with managers. And I wanted to get out of that rat race. Again, it's been, it's been almost two decades that I've just been in the same rat race over and over again. But I wanted to be able to utilize this, on, this amazing online just community that we have at our disposal. So the Commodore and I have, uh, we've been friends for well over a decade. And uh, so he had just recently moved to Orlando. He wanted to pursue music. I said, hey man, it sounds really great. I need a guitarist. He said, you got it. So he, he made one of the most amazing sacrifices. He left his job. He left his apartment. He left his family. He left his friends. He moved his whole life to Orlando. Uh, so we could push this without anything stopping us. So we started doing one song or a couple songs at a random place in the house just because it would be funny. At a random day, we didn't know the day. We didn't know the time. It was just some random Tuesday. We're like, oh, let's do it from this room. So we did one from, uh, my, one, one from the cosplay room. We did another night mm -hmm. from the band room, another night from the family room, another night from the kitchen. Uh, and the kitchen, it became kind of like this thing. We had over 20 viewers, which at the time was amazing. And it's still amazing to have that many viewers. So we decided we're just going to keep playing until we drop beneath 20 viewers. And as soon as we drop beneath 20 viewers, that'll be our last song. We played for two and a half hours. We literally were doubling songs because we, we ran out of music. Wow. So we were like, okay, this, what, is, what is happening here? And we hit 500 views. And that was a ton because we had never done it before. We're mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, 500 views. That's crazy. We still weren't the Kitchen Killers. It was just Billy Floyd and the Commodore. That's how we were kind of pushing it. So we played the next Friday. We did exactly the same thing. We did a live show. As soon as we fell beneath 20 viewers, we cut it. And again, we played for another two hours. So we had played in a bunch of different rooms. And of course, the best thing about Facebook is you can interact with people. So people are popping in. I'll say, oh, oh hey, I'll see your name. Hey, Robin, what's going on, man? Great to see you, bro. Oh, hey, Billy, good to see you. And we can interact with each other, which is one of my favorite parts about doing, using Facebook Live is that we can speak with each other and interact with each other in real time. So it's not just me on a stage and, and you guys down in a crowd. And I, we can't really interact with each other. So it kind of broke that fourth wall because not only are we interacting with people that are on Facebook and on the, the social media platform, but we're also interacting with people that are physically at the show. So it kind of grew into this crazy animal. Uh, and people were asking, oh, hey, how did you guys do this? You know, you guys are killing it. That's awesome. One of my good friends, Tim Haggard from Polk County, actually was in the feed. And he said, man, you guys are killing it in the kitchen. You're like the kitchen killers. And I was like, okay, let me put that in my mind. That's really cool. Let me just hold on to that for a second. My friend Ian was in and he was joking around with us. And he was like, man, would you come to my kitchen? And I said, yes, we'll, we'd love to come to your kitchen. If anybody would like us to come to your kitchen, just let us know. I was joking. I didn't know that I had no idea any of this was going to happen. The next thing we know, it was just invitation, 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 invitation. Come to our kitchen, come to our kitchen, come to our kitchen. We were like, wait a minute what is, well, now we said we got to do it. We said we do it. <laughs> so now, now we kind of have to do it. So what are we doing here? Right. So Jay and I spoke and we came up with the idea. We're like, let's hold on to kitchen killers. How can we utilize the kitchen? How can we put this all together? Cause nobody had ever done it before. This right. has never been done. There's no template. There's no, let me go online and look up how to build a kitchen band. It, it, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So we 
wanted to try to involve not only live music, but we wanted to involve the live social media aspect, the live, uh, the live audience aspect, and we had to involve the kitchen as well. So again, my friend Ian kept asking because he's kind of a joke. He's a, he's a joker. He kept asking, "What's in the microwave? What's in the microwave? What's in the microwave?" There was never anything in the microwave, but he just kept asking <laughs> over and over and over again. So the next thing you know, I love to cook. So we offered, "Hey man, if you invite us to your kitchen, we'll even cook. You know, we'll cook for you guys. It'll be fun." And people are like, "Wow, that's really crazy." You know, okay, cool. Come to our house. We'll have you guys can play in the kitchen, and we can cook, and we can stream it on Facebook. And I'm like, okay. Well, we can't cook and, and play at the same time. So how do we do this? So I was like, okay, let's see what we can do here. We'll feature the host. We'll mm -hmm. feature the kitchen. If you want to cook, by all means, sometimes people have like a personal recipe that they want to share with their friends and family that come over. Sometimes they just want to take the night off and they want to chill. So they may have a friend that can cook for them. If they don't have that, we have people at our disposal. Our very good friend Dennis Cutter has come with us several times. He'll be he'll actually be at the house this Friday, um, and we he he's the he's the the mad magician himself, uh, and just a phenomenal cook. So we started to just kind of joke around about going to people's kitchens, and the next thing you know, we're booked through August, we're booked through September, we're booked through October, November, December, January, February. We're booking into March of 2018. Wow. And it's really interesting to see this because it kind of came out of nowhere. So it wasn't really, there wasn't like a diabolical overall mastermind plan to say, hey, let's create this specific thing that doesn't exist and see if it can succeed. It kind of evolved into what it's become. And we're just holding on for the ride. And that's really it. Like we're just, we're just making sure we stay true to our word. So anytime we come, for example, Robin, if you invited us to your house, we would specifically gear the set list to you. Uh, we'd reach out and say, hey, Robin, this is this is kind of what we do. We stream everything live on Facebook. You know, we we feature you, the kitchen, the food. Uh, we feature your family and your friends. However, you guys want to work that out. If you don't want to cook, we can bring somebody and send us a list of three to five songs that you would like us to cover. And we pick mm -hmm. one and we learn that song. We don't tell you what it is. We just debut it the night of. So every single set list is different. Every kitchen is different. Every meal is different. Every show is different. But we wanted to be able to promote Friday shows. So how do we do that? So we came up with what's called what we call our one and done. So we do a one and done on Monday at 7.05, a one and done on Wednesday at 7.05, and then we have a show every Friday night from 9.05 to 10.05. And again, two Wednesdays ago, we decided let's if we have 20 viewers, we'll play two songs. If we have 30 viewers, we'll play three songs, so on and so forth. And mm -hmm. the craziest thing is the community that is built, they grab a hold of it. It's a game to them. Mm -hmm. So Garrett and Sage and Deanna and Allison – from Hanging With Web Show, uh, Bree Bree Cosplay, uh, Katrina Toxica from, from Geek Unique Cosplay, like all of these amazing people. Brian was such a huge, uh, such a huge contribution to the idea and to the, to the overall theme and the concept. So it became a game to everybody. Let's see how long we can keep them online. Let's see how many songs we can get them to play. So the next thing you know, everybody is sharing. So they're sharing and they're sharing and they're sharing. And I've always told people that if you offer the right vehicle, people will help. You just need to give them the opportunity to help you and they will, they will do it, especially if they believe in what you're doing. And that's what we try to do is we try to offer the vehicle to people that wanted to help. People will reach out, hey, how can we help? How can we help? Well, in this day and age, the best way to help is 
you know it, likes and shares. Mm -hmm. It's about building that community, getting that social media aspect out there. That's why we encourage everybody that comes into our feed to put up your links, put up the Facebook links for your cosplay, for your podcast, for your passion. Because that's what it's all about is building this community, helping each other out. You know, Garrett from Hanging With Web Show and I are on the exact same page. The best way to make it is together. And mm -hmm. if we build a, a creative community where we support each other and we share each other's work, you will, you will gradually see the leaders of the pack kind of take over and they'll start to work really, really closely together, which is exactly what's kind of happening, working with Brian, working with Hanging with, uh, Hang with Web Show, working with Charles Watson from Florida Con Artists, working with Bree Bree Cosplay, working with Geek Unique Cosplay, uh, working with all these conventions has really enabled us to kind of bridge the gap. So not only are we, are we featuring music, but we're also featuring food. We're also featuring cooking. We're also featuring the community. And in this day and age, you can't just have one thing about you. It's not enough. People aren't interested in that anymore. You know, if you're a musician, that's great. But look at Jared Leto. He's a musician. He's an actor, phenomenal actor. He's mm -hmm. a social media, uh, you know, he's a social media icon. He has these passions and pursuits that he pushes as well, which build your overall image. So Kitchen Killers kind of came from Jay and I just messing around and making promises that we didn't really know were even going to be requested. When we said, yeah, we'll come to all the kitchens. Next thing you know, we, we, we've been invited to four different states and two different countries. Um, so now it's just like, okay, what is happening? How do we manage this? What do we do? And a big part, about, big part of that is branding. So I spoke with uh, Anthony Hernandez from 8-Bit Fusion, and mm -hmm. he is a phenomenal logo creator. So I was kind of talking to him about it just to kind of pick his brain and get his ideas. And the next thing you know, he says, hey, here's a rough draft of the logo that I came up with. And it's the logo that we use currently. Mm -hmm. So as soon as he sent that to me, I was like, whoa. I'm like, okay, it's clean. It's simple. It's easy. It's easy to understand. It involves the K and the K from Kitchen Killers. It has a machine head and the guitar neck, which represents the music. And it's a small, easy logo to understand. Eventually, we want to get to the point where we can take away the words. And we don't need it to say Kitchen Killers. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, people will be able to look at that logo and know exactly who it is like the Nike swoosh or the Apple logo. You don't need words anymore uh, for those logos. It's so well known that people can just look at it and they can tell you that's Nike, that's Apple. So that's one of the things that we knew was very, very, very important was branding it properly. You know, to be able to make it clean and beautiful and easy to understand and easy, easily digested. You know, so it's kind of, it kind of came out of nowhere to answer your question, Robin. It was not planned. We just held on. We held on and we just kept kept reaching out and, and building the community and bridging the gaps everywhere. Um, the best thing about Kitchen Killers is there's no rules. We don't have any rules whatsoever. So we just have a good time. That's it. It's all about having fun. And for that hour, you can put all your stress aside. You can put all your worry aside. You can put all that stuff that occupies your mind aside and just party with us for an hour on Friday night. And then that's it. Let go of your worry. That's the whole idea. Just have fun. And having fun is exactly what the community is all about. Our line here at the Podcast Network has always been, Billy, unity is community. It is what drives the conversation forward. It is what keeps people coming back, wanting more. And again, kind of like Star Wars, it's a little bit of, bit of escapism too. We're able to go to a place where we can enjoy ourselves, interact with people, and have a lot of fun along the way. Now, not only do you have Kitchen Killers, and not only do you have this awesome musical story that you follow, Billy, but you also dabbled in some cosplaying as well. And I, I saw some of those great pictures. Let me just say, Brian um, Wetzloff sent me some great pictures of you 
um, in some cosplay. How, how did you get into that? I know music is one thing, but I feel like cosplaying is like a whole other realm of just excitement. It really is, and it was again. It was something that it wasn't necessarily planned. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jay Ralph, who is a musician that I knew for quite some time, had reached out to me and said, "Hey, I have this table at Spooky Empire," and I was like, "Okay, what's a table and what's a Spooky Empire?" <laughs> and like, what are these things? I don't know what this is. And he's like, well, I'm going to be in Orlando. He's from Tampa. I'm going to be in Orlando. I have a table at a convention where I'm selling my book. I thought it would be cool if you joined me at the table and maybe bring your guitar or something, bring some CDs. Okay, cool. I don't even know what I'm getting myself into, but you know what? It sounds like fun. Nine times out of 10, Robin, when I say yes to something, I'm not only, and not only am I not prepared, I have no idea what I'm getting into, but it's <laughs> awesome. It's extremely exciting. So I was like, you know what, Jay, sign me up. Let's do it. And I had no idea what I was doing. So I show up to Spooky Empire, uh, which for those of you who don't know, it's a Halloween convention in Orlando. Uh, and that's exactly what it is. It's horror. It's, 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 it's spooky. It's all of your, your essential terrifying uh, characters that have ex existed in cinematic history. And it's based on all of that. So it's, it's a Halloween-themed uh, convention. So here I am, a love song writer with my acoustic blue <laughs> guitar and some acoustic songs about heartbreak. And I don't feel like I belong there at all. Uh, right across the, the hall from me is a table where a, a, a makeup artist is literally turning this dude into a flesh-oozing zombie. And I'm Ooh. thinking, man, this is really interesting. I'm not necessarily sure I belong here, <laughs> uh, but I'll keep doing what I do. I just had my guitar and a couple CDs. That's all I had. But I had a great time. I was like, man, this is a lot of fun. I got to see stuff that I had never been introduced to. I had never seen it before. I didn't know what cosplay was at that time. Um, again, that went really well, so Jay invited me to Supercon. And I was like, okay, let's go to Supercon in Miami. So 2012, we go to Supercon. Again, I didn't really know what to do. I had my guitar. I had some CDs. And I never knew that conventions were that big. I had no idea that I would be in a convention hall with 80,000 people. And trying to play acoustic music to somebody across the table when there's 80,000 people in a convention hall is impossible. Mm -hmm. So I was inviting people behind the table to just sit down with me so I could play the music. And the one thing I realized is that no matter who is at a convention, even though I'm not drawing any comics, I'm not, I'm not creating any visual characters, I'm not a painter, I'm not a, any kind of pencil or crayon or color artist at all, everybody loves music. Everybody. So it was really interesting to see kind of how it evolved. In 2013, I went back again. And this time I was ready to rock and roll. So I brought, I got grid racks, I had merchandise, I had a tablecloth, I had my, my pedal board that I brought, all new albums were made, a guitar that I auctioned off or that I raffled off every year to get people to start playing music, to kind of like to kick them off onto their first you know, musical venture with a guitar, trying to build that community. So I realized I need to take advantage of this table space. What else can I do? And in doing that, I started meeting all of these people and I started learning what cosplay was all about. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because I was never a cosplayer. I didn't even know what that was. Right. So the next thing I know, I meet a man named Charles Watson. Uh, and Charles Watson works with a company called Florida Con Artists. So he's an IT guy. I'm an IT guy. And we kind of hit it off right away. We kind of just became friends. You know, and we had some mutual friends that were involved in the cosplay realm that were working with Florida Con Artists. And one of them reached out to me and they said, hey, we're putting together an Avengers group. Uh, I said, okay. And they said, would you be our Hawkeye? Yeah, sounds like fun. And they're like, nice. you said yes right away. I'm like, yeah, of course. They're like, have you ever done this before? I'm like, nope. And they're like, do you want to try it? I'm like, absolutely. You know, so the next thing I know, I was cosplaying Hawkeye. 
I was like, okay, this is fun. And then the next thing I know, I was asked to cosplay Constantine, John Constantine, who's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite uh, Vertigo characters of all time. I was like, man, that'll be awesome. I love to cosplay Constantine. So that introduced me to a brand new realm of community. That's where I met Hanging With Web Show. That's where I got introduced to Florida Con Artists. That's where I met uh, Dennis Cutter and Tara Dunn and Jim Dunn, uh, who have become such great friends. That's where I met Anthony Hernandez and Brian, the great lasagna, uh, who's a Bryland imagery out of South Florida. So I started realizing there was this amazingly passionate community that was based in this thing called cosplay. And I had no idea what that meant, so I started researching it. And it's based on the, the two words, costume play. So if you want to be Captain America, be Captain America. You can either make it, you can buy it, you can, you can make it yourself, you can commission it, whatever. It's about connecting to a character and emanating that character at a convention in a social circle where people can just let go and have a good time. And I started realizing this is a whole new realm of expression. You know, I've been an actor for a while. I've done theater and stage work. I've done live music, but I had never done anything like this. And it was such a combination of acting and theater and character portrayal and music. And I had never done it before. And I was able to kind of like cultivate and bring all of these aspects of entertainment together to see what we can do. And then I could invest my heart and soul into a passionate character. So I connect with Hawkeye. I connect with Constantine. Uh, Johnny Cage is, is another character that I cosplay. Indiana Jones I cosplay. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I wanted to build my own Jedi. You know, so little by little, I worked really closely with Matthew DeFore, who's an amazing cosplayer. He's a phenomenal Star Wars cosplayer. And he really helped me kind of build it together and put my first Jedi together. So little by little, I just started kind of like enveloping and, 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 and investing into these individual characters. My latest one that I, that I just debuted uh, at Holiday Matsuri was um, Homecoming Spider-Man. You know, so which was really, really fun uh, because I'm, I'm apparently a wiry guy. Uh, like Spider-Man, I have a very similar kind of like attitude toward life and people uh, like Spider-Man does where he's kind of like a smart aleck, you know, but he's also serious. He's emotionally invested. He wants to help people, but he's still struggling. And I think a lot of people can connect to that. I think all of us can kind of connect to that. We want to help as much as possible, you know, but also there's those speed bumps that come in life that we just have to get past. And that's when we look to our friends and family in that community to help us get past them because one day they're going to need our help. And we're all kind of there for each other. And I realized what a great community to be a part of. So I just looked at all of these cosplayers and I saw their passion and what they were doing, creating this. Oh, I'm debuting this. I'm debuting this. I'm working on this. Some foam work and some material work and sewing work and painting work. And I started to realize this is just an amazing source of creativity and passion and community and unity. And I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. So I tried to involve myself as much as possible into meeting and shaking the right hands and introducing myself to the people that were in the actual community that were just making changes. And one of the first times I I cosplayed um, Spider-Man, I don't really cosplay A-list characters. Hawkeye's not an A-list character. Constantine's not an A-list character. You know, uh, but the first time I cosplayed as Spider-Man, it was really overwhelming to me when the first kid, a boy, who was about four years old, Mm-hmm. ran up to me, ran away from his mom and dad, ran up to me and just started pointing at me and looking at his parents going, it's Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. You're my favorite Spider-Man. I, Spider-Man, I love you, Spider-Man. And I realized real quick, I was not Billy Floyd to him. To him, I was Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And like here is his hero in physical form standing right in front of him. And I, I kind of, I, you know, kind of bent down a little bit and I 
put my hand out to give him a high five and he gave me a high five and he ran up and he hugged me. And I, you know, I, okay. So like, I have puppies, I don't have kids, you know, no big deal. So like I, 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 I hug him and he steps away and he's just so happy. And his mom comes up and we were just talking for a little brief period of time. And I realized the impact that we can have on the youth, on kids, you know, and they go to these places and they see these superheroes and we're just regular guys, just like you and me. We have real jobs. I got bills to pay. I have a Duke energy bill that I need to pay today before it's late, you know, <laughs> but to these kids, you're a superhero. Right. And once I realized the impression that we can, that we can leave on these kids when it comes to music, when it comes to cosplay, when it comes to creativity and passion and community, we have so much influence. We have so much power. It's such a great platform to be able to inspire people to just look at the beauty of the world and then share their passion with each other. And that's one of my favorite things about the convention world is there's, there's not supposed to be any judgment. If you want to cosplay Spider-Man, cosplay Spider-Man. If you want to do a gender bend and you want to cosplay anybody else, you can cosplay a female character as a guy. By all means, go ahead and do it. It happens all the time. Exactly. You know, if you're five foot two, 350 pounds, and you want to be Batman, <laughs> be Batman, bro. Nobody is judging you. It's about letting go and having fun and connecting to a character that you really enjoy. And it's very similar with music. It's about letting go, putting those emotions out on the paper. You don't have to lie anymore. Don't lie to the paper. You know, don't lie in your songs. Uh, songs are so interpretational that you don't have to. And cosplay is very, very similar. And it introduced me to a brand new community of just absolutely amazing people. And I can't walk away from that. It was just, it was, it was overwhelming to see the community that existed in the convention and the cosplay world and just the amazing people that have now become such close friends in my life that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for cosplay. Now, it's interesting. I just learned something new about Mr. Billy Floyd here. I didn't know that we had a Jedi Master on the show tonight. That's, that's really interesting. So now knowing this, I think it's time to nerd out on the wars just a little bit here. Oh, I'm down, homie. All right. Let's break right into this quickly and let's get it moving because, Billy, one of the things I like to ask all the time is what is somebody's Star Wars story? Where did Star Wars start for them? What is your Star Wars story? Tell the good people. Well, I would say um, I was born in 1979, which was two years after A New Hope came out and one year before Empire Strikes Back came out. So I was born in 79, and the first time I saw Star Wars, of course, was on public television. I was in Baltimore, Maryland, and it was probably about 1984 or 1985 when I could first really understand what was going on in the Star Wars universe. And I just remember being so drawn into what was happening in the movie. It was very, very similar to music and cosplay. I let everything go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a five-year-old, you're super stressed out about everything in the whole world. Oh, absolutely. Like, Life is hard. The world is hard. I don't know how many cookies I can have for dinner, and it's stressing me out. Like, I don't know what to do. But when I saw Star Wars, and I connected to it, and I watched it, it took me to a completely different place that I have never really experienced before. And I'll never forget the introduction of Darth Vader in A New Hope, ever in my life. It was it seared into my memory. And I think I remember as a child when I would go to bed, I wanted to feel safe when I was in bed. And I remember asking my mom if she would put this black bandana that I had and kind of like tie it around, you know, like put it just over my nose and tie a small knot in, behind my head so I could be Darth Vader when I went to bed. <laughs> and I remember feeling safe doing that. I remember talking to her about it. 
And she was, she, she of course, you know, you're five. <laughs> okay, whatever, no problem. <laughs> so I remember talking to her about it. And as you know, Darth Vader, uh, his respirator, it, it's like an inverted triangle. So I Good tried enough. to do the same thing. As a five-year-old trying to connect with one of the greatest villains in the history of everything, you know, and it was really interesting to see uh, who Darth Vader was and how just absolutely intimidating this guy was. Uh, and as a five-year-old, he was just dominating. And I figured if he can't beat him, join him. No problem. There's no way a five-year-old can beat Darth Vader. So let mm. me be his best buddy. Let me be his best friend. So I started watching A New Hope and anytime it was on TV, I was glued to it immediately. I couldn't wait to see it. And I didn't know the difference. I was five. I didn't know the difference between A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. I had no idea. So I just kept watching these movies over and over and over again. Then I started realizing what was really going on. And I think one of the greatest things that connected me to start the Star Wars ideology, just like a lot of people, is the question and the understanding of what the Force is. And mm -hmm. that there's a light side, that there's a dark side, that there's the gray Jedi. Uh, who are who who in some stories and some canon stories have come out and they're kind of understanding this idea of what a gray Jedi is. And it was really interesting to kind of see where I fell. Where what 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 area of the spectrum did I fall in? Was I a Jedi? What was I Sith? Was mm -hmm. I a gray Jedi? Where was I? And it was really interesting when Yoda was talking about the forces in everything. It's in the tree, it's in the rock, it's everywhere, it's in you, it's in me, it's all yeah. over. And I think to a degree, we all feel that, you know, especially people that understand that there's energy is neither created nor destroyed, but only transferred. And there's energy in everything. We're all made up of the same stardust, all of us. So there's got to be a way that we're able to communicate with each other. That's a little more, uh, a little more telepathic, a little more unsaid said. You know, it, there's times that, you know, if you have a brother or a sister or a close friend or you're, you're in a close relationship, you guys are able to have a communicative conversation without any words whatsoever. Sometimes people can think the same thing at the same time and be miles away from each other. Mm -hmm. So there's something there. Although it was just mystery and it was Star Wars and it was a movie, I really think a lot of that can translate into real life. So I think my initial connection to Star Wars, of course, as a child was the lightsabers and Darth Vader and spaceships, you know, which was just really awesome to me, not to mention the music. I mean, just the oh. score itself is yeah. just absolutely mesmerizing. So when Phantom Menace came out in 99, uh, I was so excited because that was the first time I would be able to see a Star Wars movie in the theater right. as an adult that could understand and connect with what's actually going on. And I, I know there's a lot of hate against the prequels, mm -hmm. but there, there's a lot of great writing. There's a lot of great parts of the prequels. Uh, that make them excellent movies on their own. Um, I was always a Darth Vader fan. The first time I saw Darth Maul, it was it. I was like, this is my dude. Like, this guy is absolutely amazing. So I just started gobbling up every ounce of information that I could read, that I can understand, that I can watch, that I can listen to about who Darth Maul was, where he came from, how he was you know, brought up to be this just incredible Sith assassin. Uh, so I think a big part of it was not only as a child connecting to the magic of Star Wars, but then as I started growing up and started realizing that these are ideologies that translate perfectly to the real world. Mm -hmm. They're perfectly. And it's incredible to see uh, how life imitates art, imitates life. So here's, here's a movie like Star Wars uh, that has these great ideas of what technology could offer us in the future. And here we have kids that were born in the 70s and the 80s that are now 20, 
25, 30, 35, 40 years old in their perspective science fields that are bringing these ideas that were invented years and years ago that was just crazy future stuff to yeah. real life. They're really doing it. And it's based on this idea that George Lucas came up with in this crazy world that George Lucas came up with, which he shopped and he shopped and he shopped and nobody wanted it. And when it popped, it popped and it changed his whole life and it changed the face of the planet. And it's amazing to see what one person can do with an idea. Absolutely amazing. And since then, I've just been a fan. I love, I love the ideology behind it. I love the character building behind it. And, and I was really excited for when The Force Awakens came, to, came out. I was absolutely stoked for that. Uh, Revenge of the Sith was my favorite of the prequels. Oh. Uh, that showed Anakin Skywalker at his absolutely most powerful. He was just absolutely powerful. And then, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi owned him because well, he's Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, and it was incredible to see Revenge of the Sith. And it was awesome to see that, not necessarily awesome, but it was emotional to see the downfall of Anakin Skywalker, mm -hmm. the chosen one that was supposed to bring balance. And he was the one who actually brought balance. The Sith existed in what? Twos, always one pair, a master and an apprentice. And that is it. So when Darth done, everybody ran. The Jedi were dead. Who were left? Obi-Wan ran away, Yoda ran away, two Jedi, two Sith. So he actually did bring balance to the Force. Right. Uh, as much as everybody wants to say, yeah, but he did it the wrong way. Yes, but you're talking balance, and that's exactly what happened. So it was really interesting to see like this, this dramatic saga of Anakin Skywalker, and then to watch Luke and to watch his dramatic story just from being a farm boy on Tatooine to being able to defeat the strongest Sith that ever existed. To watch him come and fulfill that full spectrum was just really interesting to watch the saga of this man's life, to see where he came from and where he wound up. And it's incredible because I think we all kind of hope for that same story. We mm -hmm. all kind of hope for that, not necessarily rags to riches, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just a kid going to school. I play some sports, but one day we all want to be something. And, and, and everybody defines what that something is. But in this case, it was uh, literally a, a kid who didn't want to be on the farm anymore, who wanted to join the rebellion. He wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to, to defend his friends and he wanted to, to vend it from the empire. That's what he wanted to do. And, and his drive and his passion pushed him all the way to him then being introduced to Obi-Wan Kenobi, understanding what the force is and training and training and training. And to watch somebody grab a hold of something they're so passionate about. And it's able to change their entire ideology and character as a person to be this hero. And to a degree, we all have an opportunity to be a, he a hero. All of us do. We're faced with those things in life where you have to make a decision really, really quickly. And it's those, it's those heroic choices that we're all given at some time in our life. And sometimes people lean back and they say, okay, you know, what would this person do? How should I react to this? Should I help when I can help? Is it best to be quiet right now? What do I do? So I think a lot of the philosophy behind being a Jedi, behind being Sith, behind the force and the idea behind it, especially Yoda is so peaceful. And it was really crazy because in Attack of the Clones was the first time we saw Yoda fight. And it was amazing because here comes Yoda with his walking cane, walking slowly because the dude is almost 900 years old. Here's Count Dooku, who was a Jedi master, who is just an absolute master of the dark arts. And here comes Yoda walking out super slow with his cane. And nobody knows what's going on. Yoda has a lightsaber the size of Dooku's leg, maybe. 
you know, so, and then all of a sudden Yoda just explodes with this energy and he is just losing it. And it was incredible to see such a peaceful guy, such a little tiny ball of amazing positive energy, be able to defend uh, what he believed in from one of the greatest Jedi masters that turned to the dark side. And it was really interesting to see that dichotomy between Yoda where he could be peaceful and that's what he wants. He just wants to be nice and peaceful and loving. But if you push him, you're going to get the Yoda that everybody knows. This is Yoda. This is why you don't mess with Yoda. Yes, right. Yoda's only three feet tall, but he will own you and everybody that you've ever known. And he doesn't necessarily want to do that. He right. wants peace. He wants understanding. And one of the things he says to Anakin is you have to, you have to train yourself to let go of everything you've ever loved, which mm. is really interesting. And I try to take that into my personal life because we never know when the things that we love are going to be taken away. We can't control it. So many things are out of our control. So it's best, and I try to understand that and practice that myself, to train myself to let go of everything that I loved. You know, and it, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's the way of life. Relationships don't last forever. Bands don't last forever. Jobs don't last forever. We are aging carbon-based life forms. Moms and dads don't last forever. Grandmas and granddads don't last forever. And what do they say? Don't mourn their death, but celebrate their transformation mm -hmm. into the force. And I think that's really important here because, again, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's only transferred. So when somebody that you love, when you lose somebody, that person necessarily their physical vessel is gone, but their ideas, their, what they instilled in you, the, the, the hopes and the dreams that they shared with you, they will live through you forever, forever. And I think that's really interesting to kind of see that transition happen from this Star Wars philosophy, which again, completely made up, absolutely 100% fabricated by George Lucas, but it became this philosophical animal that was able to explain and lay out a phenomenal understanding of life for a generations of people, generations of people. I mean, we're going back, what are we, 40 years now since 1977? Yeah. So Star yeah. Wars has been around for 40 years, and it's incredible to see the inspiration that it's had and the impact that it's had on the world. I walk out of this knowing that I have a Revenge of the Sith brother on the other side, which is huge, because <laughs> that was my Star Wars movie walking into the theater seeing that duel between Obi-Wan and Anakin, that was just the cherry on top for a lot of Star Wars fans. Billy, it's been such an awesome conversation. However, there's one part of the podcast network that we always like to do after we nerd out on some Star Wars. It's a little thing we like to call plug time here at the podcast network. Mr. Billy Floyd, where can the good people find you on social media? Well, there's two places to do it. You can Google Billy Floyd. Uh, I'm the most popular Billy Floyd in the world. However, there is one other kite surfer. His name is Billy Floyd. He has one leg. I got mad respect for that dude. Um, so you can Google Billy Floyd. You can also look up Kitchen Killers. Uh, if you go to Facebook, you can check out Billy Floyd Music or Facebook.com slash Kitchen Killers. Um, if you go to BillyFloyd.com, all my music is up there for free. I've always given my music away for free. Uh, it's free to download. It's free to stream. Uh, with Kitchen Killers, we're actually planning our first album release uh, for the May uh, 2018 season. So we're looking at a release at Megacon Orlando, uh, which is really, really interesting to kind of see how that how that moves forward. Uh, but the best place to, to go and for all your Kitchen Killers needs, you can go to kitchenkillers.com. That's K-I-T-C-H-E-N, Killers, K-I-L-L-A-Z. Uh, and that will give you our live stream schedule. It will give you all of our social media um, areas that you can go to check everything out. And again, Friday night, every Friday from 9.05 to 10.05, we stream live on facebook.com slash Billy Floyd Music. 
here at the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. We love the Kitchen Killers. We love everything they're doing across social media. Make sure you follow Billy. Make sure you follow the Commodore. And please make sure you follow the Kitchen Killers. We tune in as many times as we can. We do our shout outs. We love everything that they're doing. So make sure to go across social media. Do what you got to do and follow the Killers with a Z because they know how to bring the music and bring the fans into the conversation. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at MrVoteTweets. Please make sure to head on over to Instagram. Follow me at the official vote. Head on over to www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in a galaxy far, far away. And please, please make sure to head on over to iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. And also make sure to rate our shows. That's what brings on the epic guests like the Kitchen Killers. That's what brings on some of the greatest conversations in a galaxy far, far away. Billy, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on. It has been such an honor to have you on the show. Awesome. Thank you very much for the invitation, Robin. I love what you're doing here, my man, and I'm excited to see where this takes you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to Make the Jump here from the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. And as we always say, may the force be with you. Always. Awesome.